Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. It's been two years since the last NFL Combine was held, with last year's being canceled due to COVID. This year, it is back March 3rd through 6th at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Members of the Saints organization and coaching staff are already on site as 324 players will go through rounds of interviews and combine drills. The NFL Network will show seven hours of drills each of the first three days and five hours of drills on Sunday, all during primetime hours. The 324 invitees are decided by the Combine's Player Selection Committee. That is made up of directors of both National and Blesto Scouting Services and members of various NFL player personnel departments. Each invitee that wants to is able to go through the various drills. There are seven drills that are done for all positions. The 40-yard dash, bench press, vertical jump, broad jump, three-cone drill, 20-yard shuttle, and 60-yard shuttle. In today's episode, I'm bringing in somebody who will be on site, who's been here for several combines, NFL Network's Mark Ross, who's also going to be there as part of NFL Network's coverage for this year. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. How are you doing today? Getting ready for a big week? Another combine for me. I lost count of how many combines I've been to, maybe 25 or so. I'm not sure, but it's a lot. What are some of the things that you do when you're there? Obviously going to be a part of the NFL Network coverage, but how much goes into the preparation for the week? And then what is it that you're actually covering while you're there? Yeah, so for for me, I just watch film that's what I love most of all is just watching film on the players like I used to do when I scouted and that's I I didn't watch a lot of college football during the year just with the NFL watching that but once I started digging into these guys and really watching film and getting to know them that's really my passion and why I love being in scouting for so long so just being prepared to talk about these guys on air and for the most part we try to keep it positive with the guys and sell the good the good points the, the the positives and uh, not really try to to bang them too much of what they can't do, but try to help out to sell. We got to sell the product, so get them, get them out there, and, and just talk about how well they're doing. And but a lot of comparisons and team fits, and just studying the league and the draft picks of how well they'll fit with everybody, as opposed to kind of when I'm with a team, it's more about uh, all those years with the team, like how did they fit with us, and don't mm-hmm. really worry about the other teams. So just knowing the whole league and the, and the whole landscape of how these guys fit in is really fun. Not to steal your thunder or any storylines that you're going to be talking about this week, but anybody that did stand out to you in your preparation that you're, you're kind of looking forward to seeing? Well, the, this, this O-line group, as we, we know we don't have the star power of the quarterbacks this year, but the, this offensive line group is, is really intriguing and fun to watch just because there's so many different guys. There might be about nine guys that I evaluated that could get taken in the first round and they're all so different. I think all 32 teams will have their top five, six, seven, eight players completely, completely different. And, you know, you see a lot of the names up there that Evan Neal would be the first pick of the draft. And some teams probably won't even have him as their best tackle, let alone the best player. So, and he won't work out at the combine. So that's an opportunity for other guys, kind of the Icky Iguanu uh, from NC State uh, that to hop in there and he's supposed to blow it out. So, I'm looking forward to seeing what he has to do there at the combine and try to put his stamp as the number one pick in the draft. You always see people start to try to guess who's going to be the fastest player that shows up at the combine. What's going to be the fastest time. Do you have any favorites? Not right now. I I would have loved to see Jameson Williams from Alabama with towards ACL to see him run just because I thought he was the most electric player just watching on tape. But 
throughout my years and 20 plus years of scouting, we had we interview players the night before they go work out. And I've, I've heard probably 2,000 four, four threes, four fours, the guys go run and turn it to, to run in four sevens and four eights. So yeah, I, I just like to sit back and enjoy the process and see who that surprise candidate is to go blow it out. It's really funny how interesting it is just to sit there and watch people run or lift and see what they can do. And that so many people just want to watch that coverage, the workouts and what these guys are able to do physically. I mean, I sit here and watch hours of it. And it's like, I don't go to the gym and watch people do that. Exactly. It really is <laughs> fascinating. So when I first started scouting, it wasn't on, it wasn't televised. We just yeah. went there and we did our thing. And it was just a really closed network of NFL people who were there. And then you I actually saw a lot of players weren't even working out because they wanted to have the optimal conditions to go work out at their facility, at their campus. Then once the NFL network started broadcasting the event, then you saw more and more players start uh, going into it because that was the exposure that they could get. And then once that started happening, I, I had friends and stuff that would text me during the thing. Or I'm like, why are you sitting there at, at four o'clock on a, a Friday watching the combine? The guys run around. I don't, I don't understand <laughs> what you're doing, but that's just the power of football and the power of the intrigue of these players that people love it. And they love seeing any aspect of it. And uh, I, I certainly probably wouldn't be sitting around doing it, but you know, obviously millions and millions of fans just absolutely love the combine. Yeah, you mentioned how things have changed and increased with the TV coverage. Is it wild to know that they, that is what you're doing for the week? Just going out there, talking to guys, watching them work out? It, it really is. It's kind of it's surreal, but it's, it's just such in the fabric of what I've done since I was 23 years old. And now I won't say how old I am, but over 20 years of, of doing this that yeah, really the whole combine event itself is just wild that just every the whole NFL world converges on one place for a week and just has meetings and running around and this and that and medicals that we just kind of take over Indianapolis for that time and mm. uh, just how much money, how many, how much, how much resources are spent into this event. It really is incredible just the touch point that the NFL has. Over the years, I'm sure there's been athletes that have just stood out or people that you were really looking forward to seeing anybody that kind of comes front of mind that was just, wow, this guy's really good. And then kind of has, I guess, come to fruition that way. Well, I guess let's just go most recently just because they won the Super Bowl was Odell. And I was a part of the Giants and drafting Odell. And he came out as a junior. He and Jarvis Landry were together at LSU. And I love Odell as a player, just seeing him on tape and and in practice and everything, but just when he got to the combine and then and with all those other receivers, that was Sammy Watkins and Mike Evans and a bunch of guys. And just in my view, I was, he just completely separated himself when you just saw him moving compared to how those other guys. And I remember I text a friend who was picking ahead of us and I just said, take Odell, what are you doing? You know, this is during the combine. They ended up taking someone else, but it, to me, that was really the one that's most recent. I'm, I'm happy for him that he's won the Super Bowl, but where the, the, that's kind of how you can compare players when you see them all in one place and see just the differences in their body movements, their their explosiveness, their hands, and depending on the position, there's the different skill sets. Sure. I know this, as you mentioned, the quarterback class isn't as strong as it has been in you know, the past few years. Obviously, Joe Burrow being somebody from the New Orleans kind of greater area, people really have enjoyed following and watching. Great to see him playing in you know the the biggest game of them all already in his career. What did you like about him when you were able to see him kind of out there? So when Burrow, when Joe came out, it was, 
first of all, a story where you kind of writing, well, he transferred from Ohio State. He wasn't good enough to play there. And then he gets to LSU. He had toe hum. And then even their first couple games, you watch him. He's like, okay, he's just really a product of the system going on down there at LSU. And what really stood out to me, what separated him was once LSU started playing the best teams and the better teams, then he really upped his game and really just took it off to a whole nother level where it was, he wasn't just a product of Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Clyde Edwards Hilaire and all those other guys. Like this guy was making plays and just his efficiency, his vision, his accuracy, his playmaking ability just was, I thought was just kind of special. And he's shown that so far with Cincinnati and just the way he's just transformed that entire organization, the entire city is just special. And, you know, we take it for granted. We think, okay, he's done it in year, year three, year two, and we'll, he'll be back over, over, over again. But you can just never count on that in the NFL, where they have they have an unbelievable young core of talent, mm-hmm. and they should have a lot of upside and a lot of opportunities. But you just never know. But with Joe's there, I mean, he'll be in the top five quarterbacks, I think, just for the rest of his career. Coming from a team standpoint and having that background, when you're looking at this week. What are you trying to get out of it? So you're really just really the coaches is uh, their first time kind of seeing all these players. A lot of scouts, as I mentioned before, just seeing all the players, kind of guys that they've evaluated and seen compared to who's around the country. There's been all-star games as well, but just really the top, top players. And another big aspect of it that people don't realize is the medical. So all these players get all their medical information. Doctors are pushing and pulling on them to get that. And then there's a whole interview process at night where you get to sit down and talk to all the players for 15 minutes at a time or just to dig into their mental capabilities, how they learn football, their personalities, just a little bit to get them in front of your head coach and general manager and your scouts to just see how they react and see how they handle different situations. So it's the on-field product. It's the, the interview process and the medical are kind of the three big pillars that teams are here that use the combine for. And that's where we start to see like the wonderlick test and all those weird questions that come out and people's yeah. responses. <laughs> yeah. You want to be a dog or a cat, you know, those kind of things and psychological tests that teams give as well. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Over the years and your coverage at the NFL network, you've been able to do a lot of different things. Most recently you were here in new Orleans for the, the HBCU kind of highlighting those types of players coming from historically black colleges and universities and giving them the ability to kind of take the spotlight for um, an afternoon. I mean, they were actually here for an entire week, really practicing and getting a chance to talk to people um, affiliated with different teams. How kind of special was that event to be at, to see that actually get to to happen? Yeah, well, so the NFL league office has really been doing a, a tremendous job of trying to obviously increase the minority representation in all levels. That's just players, front office, coaches, and in, in any aspect of, of the NFL team. So uh, this is just one of the byproducts of that, the HBCU Legacy Bowl that was run by, uh, you know, Doug Williams and Shaq Harris, who were two uh, pillars of, of uh, diversity in the college ranked HBCU players who played in the NFL, both quarterbacks. So their impact on the game is tremendous. And really this is just a highlight and show that, okay, we have, a, we have a nice group of players. Let's get some exposure. And I think on the back end, you might not see it all with the draft this year, but just to give exposure so that recruiting going forward where HBCUs can recruit players now and say, you know what, 
the NFL Network shows us, and we'll be at the combine. And you know, you can there is a path to the NFL NFL through the HBCUs. So I think that you'll see more and more of that throughout the years. You're one of the big Saints players that came from an HBCU. It's Teron Armstead, obviously lineman, going to be an area focus for the Saints this offseason as well. The Saints don't pick until 18, so not necessarily one of those top picks this year. But what do you think from just your coverage of the team? What are some of their needs, things that they should be looking at? Yeah, well, you mentioned that 18, but in the offensive line group, to me, I think there could be nine guys drafted in the first round who are really good players, not just in there just because. So mm-hmm. I think if the Saints want to go that route, there'll be a, a viable player there at 18 for them. Uh, and I think just overall, I think you, you could get a similar player at two that you could at 12 as you could at 20 in this year's draft, where I think there's just not a lot of superstar power, just a lot more of depth and um equalness as far as the players so with the Saints as you mentioned that you know Armstead do you want to pay top of the market money for a, a older guy that's been hurt the last couple of years that's the big question mark but number one as you guys went through last year and so many years of having Drew Brees who's going to play quarterback and it all comes down to who's going to play quarterback and you can't have four guys in there like you did last year so mm-hmm. Jameis is up seemed like he was rolling pretty well there at the beginning of the season had some ups and downs but for the most part gave the Saints a really good chance to win when he played. And uh, maybe another year of that coming back will be even better. So I think for the stability of the organization, and you know the guy and looking at who's out there free agent-wise, you, you look at Jameis, say, he's the best guy. And you look at the draft, and you compare Jameis to who's coming out in drafts, say, you know what, he's the best guy. So I think that might be priority number one. Yeah, I know that we're probably not going to go draft another quarterback because we did that last year. He got one opportunity this year. It was unfortunate the way that it all went down, considering we had about five people that were actually starting talent in the NFL that were able to play in that game. But we have definitely had a lot of adversity to deal with this season. Now we finally have our new head coach in place, our coaching staff. How do you think they're going to be able to, to start making some of those decisions over the next few months here? Well, I think that's the good thing about, although you have a new head coach, he was there and you have that continuity in the rest of the coaches. So there's not this complete adjustment. I've been a part of teams where a new guy comes in, he wants to tear everything down and change everything and even things that worked before. And it's just, you just have to, everyone has to adapt to adjust the players, the staff to, to something new. And that kind of sets you back a little bit in trying to plan ahead. Well, now with the Saints, it's just, well, okay, well, we know the routine. We know the program. I'm sure Dennis will put his stamp on things for the most for somewhat, but for the most part, just kind of keep things rolling because the Saints, in, in my view, has been one of the best organizations over the, the Drew Brees era and the Sean Payton era. So I, I think he is he deserved that head coaching job just throughout the year and what he did with that defense and the lack of players, as you mentioned, and the ups and downs, but really the defense carried that team for the most part and really mm-hmm. overachieved to be right there. So I think they're kind of in full swing to say, all right, let's just keep this thing rolling with some minor tweaks the way I want to do things. Yeah, I mean, if the energy of the defense can kind of permeate now to the rest of the team, because now Coach Allen is overall the entire team, I think it only bodes well for the Saints and what they're going to be able to do. Just got to kind of solidify some of those key spots um, on the roster. But I appreciate you joining us today. Where can we follow you on Twitter? Where can we see some of your coverage? When does it start? Yeah, at Mark Ross, Mark with a C on Twitter and just uh, starting the combine. I guess I'll be on Thursday all throughout the weekend at different shows and timing 40s and whatnot for the network. So tune in and you know, get your coffee or the beers or whatever people do while they're watching the combine. And go yeah. have fun. 
Yeah, I don't know if people around here will be having much more beer after Mardi Gras weekend finally wraps up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think in New Orleans, there's always room for more beer. Or That's probably true. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Sure. My and pleasure. good luck with the coverage. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks to Mark Ross, NFL Network analyst, for some insight there. You can follow him on Twitter, as he said, at Mark. M-A-R-C Ross. The NFL Network's coverage will start March 3rd and continue through March 6th, and it will start at 3 o'clock Central. Thanks so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints pod. We'll catch up with some more things at the Combine later this week right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Geek.